Happy New Year, everybody. If you wouldn't mind, would you stand with me and let's sing these words. I can think of no better prayer for us to start our new year than these, this old prayer right here. So sing these words with me. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Then teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Oh, praise thy mount, I'm fixed upon it. Out of thy redeeming love. Here I raise, just here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive. Jesus saw. Jesus taught me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, oh, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. It's owed to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy grace Lord like a fetter bind my wandering heart so think about these words prone to wonder Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love oh here's my heart Lord take and seal it seal it for thy courts above. Sing, come thou fount. Yes, come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise And teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Oh, praise the mount I am fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love No matter how your past year was Would you sing this in part of this prayer Prone to wander I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Garland, and uh, I used to lead worship for student ministry here, and now I do more teaching and hang out with the college students and with some of you guys. But uh, one of my favorite services always to get to leave when I was uh, leading worship more regularly was just the pulled back, 
just acoustic service. And it, my favorite part of it is we just get to hear each other sing. Now, here's the problem in COVID time. We all got these masks on, all right? So here's what I'm gonna need from you. Nobody can see you. You're a little bit muffled. I'm gonna need you just to sing out. Whether you sound really good, whether you're fighting through allergies, whatever you may, however you may sound this morning, I want us to sing because we're celebrating and we're exalting our King and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, then let's sing. And if you've got kids next to you, I've been sitting here with my kids, sing. Let them see you sing. And if you're watching at home, sing. Let your kids see you sing. If you're a student in student ministry, show your parents how to do it. And here's the deal. Like, I get it. Some of the, if, if it's a note that's like really high, there's like a little trick. It's like it's prone to wander. Just do the low one. Just do like prone to wander. It's okay, all right? Just figure it out. But here's what I want. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, I need you to sing out because I need you to sing out through the mask and into this room so we can hear each other. Are you with me? All right. This is fun. I think it's fun. Is it, are we having fun? We have fun this morning. It's a new year. Praise God. Here we go. Let's sing these words. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. His mercy is more. Think about these words. What love could remember no wrongs we had done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. They are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. And what patience would wait as we constantly roam? What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is of kindness he lavished on us 
His blood was the payment, His life was the cost. We stood neath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Together we praise the Lord in this place. Sing it out. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. servant here at Fellowship Fayetteville is one of your pastors, and we're grateful that you've chosen to worship with us in person, and I also wanted to say thank you for continuing to work with us as we try to protect one another in the room uh, with your spacing, wearing your mask. Uh, we appreciate you playing your part. Um, if you're watching on live stream, it's great to be with you this morning as well, as we have people worshiping with us as a family of faith all over Fayetteville. Well, I want to set up a context for us as we kick off the year together, uh, kind of for where we're going this year and where we're going to go this morning with a short series to kick the year off. Um, just so you know, we try to work through books of the Bible, um, New Testament letters, um, the gospel narratives, Old Testament narratives together as we piece together the year. And we've got a really fun year together. We're going to be working through the narrative of Joshua in the Old Testament together um, this winter. And, uh, and then we're going to spend some time in Hebrews in the summer, and then Paul's uh, letter to his son in the faith in 1 Timothy uh, in the fall. And so that's a little bit about where we're going this year. The first few weeks of this year, we're going to take a little bit of time to look at what the Bible says in response to issues of race and ethnicity, okay? In 2020... There was quite a bit of dialogue on this topic, and one of the things I observed is inside this room, our family of faith, is we didn't really have a common language to have this discussion. Now, we all had opinions, and we all had different voices in our life, things we were reading, things we were listening to, but I realized we didn't have a common biblical foundational language to have this conversation, and so it's one of our purposes these next three weeks is to lay that foundation. Uh, Rich Velotis, he's a pastor at New Life Fellowship in New York, and he says this, if we're gonna have this discussion, we've gotta consider these six areas if we're gonna have a holistic discussion uh, surrounding this. And he notes the theological space. What does the Bible say about this issue? Issues of race and ethnicity. Historical, what's been our past? What has actually happened? Um, sociological, what, do the current, what does the current data say about what's going on in our culture? And then he also notes ecclesiological, what's the church's response? Formational, how does this impact you 
individually and who do you need to engage relationally in this conversation? And then finally, the political space. And we heard lots of opinions in that space in 2020. And so we're primarily going to look at this through these, these three lenses together as a family of faith. These three lenses will guide our time together. We're going to look at those two spaces over the next three weeks, but we're going to look at through these three lenses. The first lens that Michael's going to walk us through this morning is this idea of image of God and identity in Christ with a primary focus on the image of God. Uh, the truest thing about our humanity is not our race or ethnicity, uh, but it's that we're created in the image of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been made new and you now identify with Christ. Um, we're also going to look at these terms, race and ethnicity. And where do we find those concepts in the scriptures? Uh, one of the really cool things we're going to get to do is partner with a, a great friend of ours here at Fellowship, James Hawkins. Um, he works at the Joshua Center. He teaches and goes to church at uh, New Heights Church, Dr. James Hawkins. And so he's going to be with us next week to walk us through some New Testament concepts as it relates to this topic. And then the last week of the series, I'm going to be up with us, and we're going to be just asking the question, so what? If this is what the Bible says about these issues, then what is our response? And so I just want to just put a few disclaimers out there, okay? For some of you, we've already gone too far by doing this series, okay? And for some of you, we're not going to go far enough. We're not going to say enough about the issue. But what I want us to remember is that our focus primarily is not on what we can do to fix what's outside these walls, but our focus is going to be on letting the Lord do heart surgery inside these walls. And if we can't get it right here with a foundational language of the scriptures as it relates to these topics, then the loudest voice out there will continue to drown out what God wants to do through you as a follower of Jesus. And so we want to make sure that our hearts are right in this space. And so I want us to think biblically. I want us to listen humbly. I want us to speak graciously, and then we'll look at ways that we can act courageously um, in that last week together. Uh, before we pray for our morning, I want to remind us of something really cool as it relates to this issue. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, we live in one of the coolest cities in America. And did you know, and this is just based on demographic data uh, that's very recent, did you know that 3.5% of those that live in Fayetteville are of Asian descent? Did you know that 7.5% make up the black community in our city? 8.5% make up the Hispanic Latino um, community here in Fayetteville, 79.5% are those of us who would call ourselves a part of the white community. And this is really cool because we're in a university town. Over 1,400 international students call Fayetteville home. And they have spouses and many of them that are graduate students and working on their doctorate, they have families from 109 different countries here in our city. And so I want this series to be an opportunity for us to figure out how we can listen and learn and see the world through their eyes, but also be a gracious light for the gospel in a very diverse community, that we can lean into that space and figure out, God, what part do you have me 
to play? And what part would you have me to play? And so to that end and to his glory, I want to pray for our morning and celebrate what he's going to do during this time together. Father, we celebrate the work of your son on our behalf for all the nations of the world, that they would um, come to know, come to love, come to serve you. God, I pray that you would give us the grace to understand your word this morning, um, that your word, as I uh, talked about last week, would be the loudest voice in our life in 2021, especially in this area. And so continue to work in our heart in this space and help us respond appropriately. And we trust you with the results. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before we stand, uh, in Revelation chapter 4, we're given a picture of the throne room of God. We see the glory of God on his throne in Revelation chapter 4. And the, the, the person sitting on the throne, the figure who is representing God in this, in this vision, he has a scroll. And the author, John, says, no one was found who was worthy to take the scroll. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could take the scroll. And John, the author, begins to weep and weep because no one is worthy to open the scroll and open its seals and look inside. But then one of the elders in the vision reaches down and says, do not weep for, see, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He has conquered and he is worthy to open the scroll and to look inside. And then the very next thing he, he does, he's weeping. He turns and sees, not a lion, a powerful lion, but he sees a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the throne, the center of the throne. And he came and he took the scroll. And then all the creatures of this vision of heaven fall down and worship. The way that the lion accomplished his victory was by being a lamb that was slain, the power of God coming to rescue us through his son on a cross. And in his resurrection, the victory has been accomplished, and we walk in that confidence. And with that in the back of our mind, would you stand? Don't, don't lose energy on me here. I still need you. Would you stand? And let's sing these words confidently together. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down And every chain will break His broken hearts declare His praise For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing it out! And our God is the Lion The Lion of Judah He's roaring with power And fighting our battles and every knee will bow before him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. And every knee will bow before him. Open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. 
free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. Declare this together. Who can stop? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 No one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. One more time, sing those words. And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. And every knee will bow before Him. And I Searching for answers 
You 
not against me. I am who you say I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Well, Jesus, we need just to be reminded of some of these truths that we celebrate here in this place this morning. We need your grace and your mercy. And speak to us now through your scriptures. Make them come alive to us. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can grab a seat. Well, here we are. Our first Sunday together in 2021. It, it, it feels weird just to say that, doesn't it? 2021. I mean, in some ways, it's good because it means 2020 is in our rearview mirror. And 2020 has been a really difficult year for a lot of people. But it also feels weird that it's already 2021. I remember when I was a kid, people would say stuff like that. I would hear adults say things like, I can't believe it's already 1985. And I'd be like, what do you mean it's already 1985? It's taken us forever to get to 1985. And now I'm that guy. I'm like, Y2K was 21 years ago? How is that possible? So I want to say Happy New Year to y'all. So glad you're here to worship with us. My name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And whether you're worshiping with us in the room or you're joining us on the live stream, glad you're starting the year 2021 off with us. And I recognize, man, a lot of people are in a tough place right now. A lot of people are dealing with health issues, issues with job and economics. People are dealing with grief and loss. And yet I want you to hear me say this. I really think better days are ahead. I really think things are going to get better. And so I want us to just redouble our efforts in prayer. I want us to just continue going to the Lord and, and lifting up those people that are hurting. And if you're one of those people that's hurting, keep going to God and just asking him to cover your situation with his grace and mercy. And let's ask the Lord to deliver us from this pandemic. And so I thought that's where we would start our time together this morning. Let's kick off 2021 just by going to the Lord. Would you, would you pray with me for just a moment? Well, Lord, thank you that you've brought us this far. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the faithful brothers and sisters of Fellowship Bible Church who continue to worship you here on campus, at home, or wherever they are. They continue to serve you and, and love each other well in your name. And Lord, they continue to give generously to fund the gospel ministry that goes out from this place. Lord, thank you for my family of faith. And Lord, we want to pause. And just in our individual hearts right now, lift up those we know, those who are hurting. Lord, we lift up those who are ill. Lord, those who are quarantined or isolated. Lord, we lift up those who are dealing with job loss, economic insecurity. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving because they've lost someone. And Lord, we pray for healing and hope and restoration in all of those situations. And then Lord, we wanna ask you right now in your sovereign power to just turn this virus away from us, to turn it away from our families, from our church, from our nation. Lord, we look forward to the day when we can gather to share the gospel in rooms large and small without fear of infection. And then, Lord, right now, I want to pray for our time in your word. Help us hear from you through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, correct us where we're believing wrong things. 
and show us how we can live in a way that's gonna bring lasting change to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Clark mentioned it. We're kicking off the year with a three-week series on race and ethnicity. And when I got this teaching assignment months ago, I began to sweat in places I didn't know you could sweat. And I wondered, what did I do to Clark to make him assign me a teaching on one of the most sensitive and divisive topics in our country, the Sunday after Christmas break. (laughs) Then I started to pray and to read, to study, and I prayed and I read and I read and I prayed and, and my anxiety actually turned into excitement because I realized we have something really powerful to say in this arena. Now, the subject of race and ethnicity is a difficult one to take on because none of us want to say the wrong thing. None of us want to be insensitive to anybody. And as Clark mentioned, it seems like no matter what you say, you'll be criticized because for some, you will have gone too far and for others, you won't have gone far enough. But when I look at what the Bible has to say on this subject, I realize we have something really important to add to the conversation And I'm excited that we're going to spend the next three weeks just thinking about this together. And my hope and my prayer is that these teachings will spark some much-needed, healthy, biblical conversations in our families, in our community groups, in our church, and in our community of Fayetteville and the surrounding areas. And so we're going to begin this morning exactly where you would expect to begin on a topic like this in the beginning. So go ahead, open your Bible. We're gonna be in Genesis chapter one. It's the easiest passage to find in your whole Bible. If you can find the table of contents, just turn the page, Genesis one. Now the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. The word Genesis comes from the Greek word that means origins. And in this crucial book of the Bible, we learn so much about God and his power. He's the great creator God. We learn so much about creation, the world that he's given us to live in, and we learn so much about ourselves because Genesis has our origin story, the origin of the human race. And so what we know and what we believe about what it means to be human, what it means to be a person, is built on Genesis 1. Now, you probably remember, Genesis 1 describes God creating this incredible world, And it pictures a world that's full of light and life. The land is teeming with creatures. The sea is full of life. The air is full of birds. And into this meticulously prepared garden, God introduces his crowning creation, humanity. And we remember it's in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It's familiar God said, let us make man, that's humanity, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, there's a ton of theology tucked in those brief verses. And so for this morning, we're just going to focus on this idea 
of humanity being created in God's image. Now, being created in God's image is something virtually all theologians agree on. But if you get three theologians together, you'll get five opinions on what it means. Because two of them will change their mind twice in the course of the conversation. And so we're going to keep it really simple. Here's the simple definition from Dr. Wayne Grudem. He says, humanity being made in God's image means that man is like God and represents God. So for our purposes, humans being made in God's image means that we're his image bearers who represent him on the earth and that we have some things in common with God that other living things don't because they're not made in his image. And then God gives these first two humans, Adam, which means man, and Eve, which means living and assignment. We see it in the very next verse, verse 28. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And then we're told in verse 31 that God looked at what he created and he declared it was very good. And so we see God's plan here. God's plan is that he created a very good, meticulously made creation. And into that creation, he places people who bear his image and he tells them to multiply and fill the creation with his image, with his glory. When I imagine it, I think of it like light spreading out into the darkness. It's a beautiful picture. But it's also a really compelling mission for mankind to take the glory of God and fill the earth as his image bearers. But we all know what came next. Genesis 3. The serpent enters. It's Satan. Satan comes and tempts the man and the woman. And they act on that temptation. And sin enters in. We call it the fall. Now again, that's a whole sermon. That may be a whole sermon series, but for our purposes today, one of the effects of the fall is that the image of God was marred. No longer were we perfect image bearers of God, but instead the image was blurred, it was distorted, but it remained. Every single person who's ever existed was made in God's image. And this is so important as a starting place if we're going to broach the topic of race and ethnicity is that every single person is made in God's image. White, black, Asian, Latino, man, woman. There is no characteristic a person has that makes them any less than God's image. People with diminished capacity. People with profound disabilities. Even people who don't survive outside the womb are people who are made in God's image and therefore have value. One ancient Jewish writer said, why did God make just one human being? So that no man could say to another man, my father was greater than yours. Every single person of every race, every family, every nation has a common ancestor, Adam. And because of that, we're all image bearers. 
But as we continue in the biblical narrative, in the beginning of Genesis, what we see is the image of God is so marred. Humanity is so broken that the whole thing goes off the rails. People are so bad that God says, I'm hitting the reset button. I'm starting over with one family. And so God floods the earth and starts over with just Noah and his children. You can find the flood narrative in Genesis 6 through 9. And then in Genesis 10, we come to a key chapter. Now, you're all familiar with Genesis 10, and here's why. Genesis 10 is the rocky shore upon which many of your ships of a reading plan have run aground. <laughs> many of you have started with really good intentions of reading the Bible all the way through, only to see that plan go down in flames in Genesis 10. You'll remember verse 1. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. And then for the rest of the chapter, we're listed people groups, who they descended from, and, and where they live. Now, this is often called the table of nations because it describes for us what the nations of the world look like in the decades and centuries that followed the flood. Now, again, Genesis 10 is a complex topic. We're not going to answer all of the questions people have about Genesis 10, but I want us to make one simple observation that'll help us understand what the Bible teaches about race and ethnicity. There's three sons of Noah, and at the end of each listing of those generations, the Bible calls them, there's a summary statement. And I've put in bold the words that are shared in each summary statement. Each time we're told about their lands, their language, their clan or family, and nation. Land, language, family, and nation. And the Hebrew word for each one of these is exactly the same throughout the summary. In fact, Bible scholars agree that these summary statements are markers for the original readers to understand that this is not a strict genealogical lineage. Instead, Moses, the writer of Genesis, is describing ethnicity in a very modern sense of the word. Today, ethnicity is defined as a social group that has a common national or cultural tradition. And that's what we see in Genesis 10, the table of nations. These groups are divided by their lands, their geographic places where they dwell. They're divided by their language, one of the strongest cultural ties we have, a shared language. They're divided by their clan. That word also means family, and it's not strictly genealogical family. Think about your family. How many people are in your family that you are not a blood relative of? They've married in. Families mix and mingle. And then their nation. That's a geopolitical concept. Who are they politically allied with? Who are their alliances with? Who do they relate to? And scholars are quick to note there are 70 nations listed with 70 being in the Hebrew way of thinking, completeness. So what we have in Genesis 10 is this concept that all the nations of the earth are divided 
by land, language, clan, and nation. And yet, there's a central theological point to Genesis 10, which is they're also united by a common kinship because they've all descended from one man, Noah. Now, this is important because it contrasts with other ancient views of humanity. For instance, Egyptians. The Egyptians believed that only Egyptians were the true human beings and all the other nations descended from the enemies of the gods. How different that is from the biblical view, which consistently shows the commonality of all people. First in the Garden of Eden, where we're all made in God's image. And then after the flood, as God begins anew with all the nations of the earth having this common kinship in Noah. And so the message of Genesis 1 through 10 is that all people share the same dignity and the same value, even as they have different ethnicities found in their land, language, family, and nation. And then we turn to Genesis 11. And it's another familiar story. It's the Tower of Babel. You probably remember the story. The people want to build a tower that reaches to heaven. It says in verse 4, so they can make a name for themselves. So rather than dispersing as image bearers to represent God over the earth, the people want to concentrate in one place with no concern for God. They want to advance their own reputation. So... God confuses their languages to force them to disperse. Genesis 11, verse 8 says, So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is explaining how the nations in Genesis 10 got dispersed with their own languages and their own cultures. And so we see Genesis 10 and Genesis 11 are held in this tension with each other. Chapter 10 describes the unity of all humanity, a brotherhood and sisterhood with a common ancestor. While the tower story of Genesis 11 describes how God's anger caused the people to be forced into doing what he originally commanded filling the earth. And so here's the situation. The nations of the earth, the people of the world, united by a common ancestry, but because of their dis disobedience and sin, more and more divided by their land, their language, their family, and their nation. And into this situation comes a single man, Abram, God chose Abram, and God makes him a spectacular promise. We find it in Genesis 12, the very next chapter. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We call this the Abrahamic covenant 
because a little bit later, God will change his name from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And this covenant, this promise, is one of the most theologically significant in the whole Bible. Our founding pastor, Dr. Cup, he used to portray this as the root from which all of Scripture grows. And did you catch some of those key words? There they are. Land, nation, and families. That's the same word that was translated clans in Genesis 10. The promise to Abraham is God's answer to the sin and scattering that has occurred in Genesis 3 through 11. And this promise is not just for Abraham. It's for all the families of the earth. God is going to use Abraham and his descendants not just to form the nation of Israel, but to reform his broken creation. Every family of the earth will be blessed. And so here's the picture we have. God wants to fill the earth with his glory. And he wants to use image bearers, human beings, to do that. But rather than filling the earth with God's glory, the people try to make themselves great by concentrating in one place. And so God scatters them. And because their languages are confused, now they become divided along ethnic and cultural lines. And so God's response to this division that's caused by sin is to make a promise to reverse that scattering by uniting all people through Abraham's descendants. Or, we're gonna learn later, through one descendant, Jesus of Nazareth. The Gospels are clear that Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. And Paul builds a strong case in Galatians 3 that Jesus is the ultimate answer to the Abrahamic promise. At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, what did we see? People understanding the Gospel in their own language, effectively reversing the curse of the Tower of Babel. And we see in Revelation the ultimate reversal of this scattering as people from, catch the words, every language and family and land and nation unite and worship Jesus. It's a direct result of the promise made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And so, based on what we see, in the biblical record, we can say with confidence that racial division is a move backward toward Genesis 11, while racial unity is a move forward toward the promise of Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God's original plan to fill the earth with his glory comes through blessing all the families of the earth, every race and ethnicity, through his son, Jesus Christ, joining together people of every ethnic group into one people of God. And so racial division within the church works against that plan. And racism in the hearts of God's people is a sin that sets back God's work. 
But when we walk in repentance from our own bias, from our own racial insensitivity, we can move toward Genesis 12 and toward that picture of blessings that flow into every family of the earth. (sighs) That was a lot. That was a lot to cover. I realized I just covered 12 chapters of the Old Testament, 2,000 years of biblical history, all in like 22 minutes. And the last thing I want is for us to leave here today just feeling overwhelmed by all this. I want us to leave with something that works today, something we can carry with us today. And to do that, I want us for just a moment to return to where we started to this idea of the image of God. In Genesis 1:26, God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And as I pondered and meditated on that, I, I wondered, why does he say image and likeness? It doesn't feel like just a repetition for emphasis. So I started to study that and, and look at those words and, and I asked myself, What would an original reader of this text take from that? We know uh, Moses wrote Genesis. And so the people of his time who read this, when they saw that word likeness, what would have likely come into their mind was an idol. That all the cultures around them made images or likenesses to represent their God. Now, I think we have this idea that if you're in an idol-worshiping culture and you want an idol of your household God or whatever, that you would just go out and you'd find a decent-looking chunk of wood and you'd maybe carve a face on it or whatever and say, okay, kids, there's our God. Let's all worship. Kind of like Tom Hanks with his volleyball and castaway. Just draw a face on Wilson and now you got a new best friend. But that's not at all how it worked in ancient culture. They actually were very serious about the creation of that likeness. Just creating it was an act of worship. And they would do it with great care. And and they would have a ceremony where they would summon the presence of this false god to supposedly inhabit this likeness. And when they would take it home, they would treat it with great care and, and they would put it in a place of honor in their home. And then if your friend comes over, you know, if I'm a a worshiper of this false God and my buddy Garland comes over, well, he's gonna treat it with respect because it represents, it's a likeness of that God. He doesn't wanna anger that God. And so he's gonna be careful with it and, and pay it the respect that he believes it's due. Now take all that and apply it to the biblical idea of being made in his likeness. That we're gonna treat each other with the respect that comes from representing the God that we worship. That every single person we meet, we're gonna give them the respect that's due to them because they represent God himself. They're made in his image. They're his likeness here on earth. The writer of Proverbs picks that up. In Proverbs 17, five, he says, don't mock the poor, because if you do, you mock their maker. How we treat the image bearer, the likeness, reflects how we treat God. And so for us today, 
any kind of racial insensitivity should be off limits. Racial jokes should be forbidden. Playing into racial stereotyping is off limits because when we belittle someone because of their race, we belittle their maker because they're an image bearer and a likeness of our great God. And so, fellowship, let's be a people who recognize the intrinsic value of every single person. And let's ask the Lord to reveal in us those places, those places that we knowingly or unknowingly view people differently because of their race or their ethnicity. Let's ask God just before the Lord, show us where we're pushing back toward racial division of Genesis 11 rather than reaching forward for the promise of Genesis 12, a promise fulfilled in Christ. And fellowship, let's commit ourselves to working toward that promise. Let's be a people that it begins with us in our own hearts, in our families, in our church, that works every day to fill the earth with a, divide, with a diverse but united people. Every language, every family, every nation, all praising Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you created such a diverse and rich tapestry of humanity. Lord, we know that you delight in the things that make us different, and so will we. And we also know that you desire to unite us under the kingship of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, let us make that our desire as well. And so, Lord, I ask, even right now, reveal in us the places that we need to change. Lord, forgive us for our biases. Forgive us for our indifference. Lord, at one time or another, we've all failed in this area, and I pray for forgiveness and for repentance that we will turn and go the other way. Lord, show us those places that we have an unknown bias that we're not even aware of, but it, it, it affects the way that we treat people, the way we talk, the way we think. And then, Lord, give us your heart. Give us your eyes to see our fellow image bearers, the likenesses of you that are all around us. Lord, help us love them. Lord, you give us hope. So right now, we just wanna praise you. You give life, you are love. You bring life to the darkness. You give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. 
So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. If you can, would you stand with me and sing these words? You give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our tribe and tongue and nation in this world. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and Father. And later on it says, and everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang a new song and they said, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be glory and honor and power forever and ever. The whole world joins in the song and we do too, so sing these words. All the earth and all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. So we pour out 
as we walk in the hope and in the grace that what was marred in the fall as sin entered into the world and brought division and pain and brokenness into this world. It has been restored in you, Jesus. You are the image of the invisible God, the image of the invisible God. And in you, you will create a new humanity. We want to we want to represent you and all that you have done into this world. Taking the blessing of Abraham into the nations. Thank you for bringing that to us here in Arkansas. Jesus, we give you all the glory, the honor, the praise. In your name, amen. Fellowship Fable, God bless you. If you need some prayer, the prayer room is open to your right. We will see y'all right here next week. Have a great week, everybody. Happy New Year.